Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Uh, the Magic are 11 and 5, and we're so happy about it that we're on a six game winning streak that we're recording this outside at Sideward Brewery. So if you hear uh, drunk people, if you hear traffic noises, that's why, because we're just recording a podcast outside. This isn't the first time that we've done this. We've done this other times, but uh, yeah, we're just going to roll with it and let it ride. But uh, we're recording this Friday night, uh, right after the Magic defeated the Boston Celtics. So the Magic are continuing their homestand. They come off beating the Denver Nuggets, defending champs Wednesday night. And tonight, Friday night, they kick Boston's ass 113-96. Uh, Penny... We haven't done a pod since the season preview pod, but uh, this is probably beyond most people's wildest dreams from a record perspective and just how we look right now. We have the best defense in the league, and we're doing a lot of this without guys like Markel Fultz and Wendell Carter Jr. How are you feeling, Benny? Uh, I mean, certainly I think you I uh, had a... You had a rosier outlook than I did uh, in terms of the preseason predictions. They're ahead of your pace even for that right now. Um, I'm going to be honest, obviously, on record, I didn't see this coming. Uh, it feels like the team is, is skipping a step, moving ahead uh, at a faster pace than, than anticipated. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It seemed, We'll get into it. It seems like it's sustainable. It, it doesn't feel like fool's gold it doesn't feel like the falling off the cliff in january is going to happen with this group i hope not uh our first time in the building this year also uh a reminder that the uh for a not as religious person and myself that the uh amway center feels like a church and leaving after a win cleanses your soul especially driving out the celtics fans Especially when you have the minister defense squad and shit all over the place right now. But, um, yeah, we had a scare in this game with Jonathan Isaac, which um, he – look, I did an over-under of 49 and a half games played for him, and people probably thought I was crazy even offering that up, but uh, that's not looking terrible right now. And, uh, you know, Isaac's going to be fine. Just an, It was an awkward moment where just a Celtics player just kind of fell into his leg, but – he seemed fine, but yeah, I mean, we, there's a lot of things we got to talk about because, like I said, we haven't done a pod in like a month. But as you mentioned, the Magic being 11 and five, they're a game ahead of my 45 win prediction. So right now, the Magic are on a 46 win pace, and I said 45 wins would be enough for the six seed. And I think we just need to shift our goals because before it was like playing is kind of the goal, but now playoffs like top six seed like don't even worry about the plan like top six should be the goal and I think with what we got with this defense this number one defense as long as Suggs stays healthy as long as Isaac stays relatively healthy like this is all like obtainable like we have at least two all defensive team guys on our team and they just bust their fucking asses man like I am not exaggerating you know I'm 35 years old. This team's as old as me. Like, I'm not exaggerating. I'm saying this team plays as hard as any other team other than the 99-2000 Hard and Hustle Magic team. And this team's got more talent than that team had. Like, that 99-2000 Hard and Hustle team was a bunch of castaways that were predicted by Sports Illustrated to win 10 games. And they end up going 41-41. to And here, the Magic are with the second best record in the East, as we're talking about it, um, 
They're 11-5. and five. There's no reason why this six-game winning streak can't become a nine-game win streak uh, when you have Charlotte coming into town Sunday and then you have a, another home back-to-back with the Wizards. Like, the Magic have never won 10 games, correct, in a row in its history. We've won nine a couple times. We've never won 10 in a row. We should be on a nine-game winning streak when we go into that Brooklyn second night of a back-to-back December 2nd in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, thoughts on any of that? Thoughts on stuff like you want to pick from either the game or beyond that? Yeah, I mean, again, generally speaking, you're talking about, uh, by all accounts, depending on what uh, advanced metrics you're looking at, uh, this team is a 50-win team, even, um, in terms of net rating and defensive rating and, and kind of the uh, more advanced numbers. So, you know, we've we've gone through stretches in the past with bad teams that have good months. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, Johnny Davis was a coach of the month in November, I think the same year he got fired. So... Uh, I don't think this is a fool's gold case. I think, again, everything is sustainable. Certainly, the team is leading with defense. That travels. Um, Offense, you know, I I will say, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, and, and we have months to talk about the team, you know, matching up with other teams for, for series and stuff like that. But uh, offensively, my concern is the bogged down in close games, but as that situation happens more and more and the guys get more reps and more comfort in those situations, you would expect that to improve. Um, I don't see anything here that isn't sustainable. We're not shooting lights out. We're turning the ball over a little bit. We're leaving points on the free throw line. So uh, everyone has an off night, certainly, but I feel like we should expect this to continue into December and beyond, right? Yeah, I mean, look, the I predicted we'd go 10-4 and four in the month of November. Again, super optimistic, kind of super crazy, but I predicted it, and I thought that it, it could happen. But the schedule is going to get tough around, like, January, February. Like, there's, there's going to be a rougher stretch. Like, it seems like our schedule is tough, but I, I just didn't view it like that. I just viewed it as a chance for opportunity. Now, I didn't predict that we would beat both Denver and Boston within three nights. Like, I just did not predict that. But – um, this is sustainable. I, I, I genuinely believe it. As long as the team keeps doesn't get too big for their britches or whatever, and they actually like keep busting their ass and defending and and just bringing in that effort, like it is fucking possible. It is absolutely possible to do that. Um, all right, let's just talk about this game a little bit. This Boston game again. The Magic they they won uh, one thirteen and ninety six. It's our sixth game already, so we're eleven and five. It's our sixth game that we held an opponent to under hundred points, which leads the league right now. Um, Mo Wagner had 27 points in less than 25 minutes, and apparently this is the third time in Magic history that Mo Wagner has tallied 25 points in less than 25 minutes, which is the most in franchise history that a Magic player has done that. Um, he showed up in an instance where, even though Goga Bataze has been very good overall, and his you know in starting in the absence of Wendell Carter Jr., tonight was Mo Wagner's night, and he loves kicking Boston's ass. Um, you know, Anthony Black, he only played like the first six minutes of the game and didn't show up again. That ended up working out. I thought like Joe Ingles should have played instead of Cole Anthony down the stretch as like a ball handler and just somebody just that brings size and just kind of calm things down. 
because um, Joe was a big reason why we ended up settling down a little bit in that second quarter. Yeah, we were down eight at halftime, but that, but we were in the game. Like we knew, like if we kept being aggressive, Boston wasn't going to keep making threes like they were making in that first half, which ended up proving to be true. Um, you know, if you look at the second half, like the Magic won the third quarter, twenty nine to eighteen, and then they won the fourth quarter, thirty six to twenty two. And that's coming off like a 40-point fourth quarter against the Denver Nuggets and a hell of a comeback win that was. And, you know, the biggest example I can give us with our defense is look at the Indiana Pacers game. We won in Indiana. We we just absolutely shut them down and crushed them. And the only reason why it wasn't a bigger win was our third string almost shut the bed. But two nights later, Indiana puts up 157 points on the Atlanta Hawks. So our defense is legit. It's very sustainable. And our defense drives our offense. Like, our defense gets us out running. Now, late in games, that becomes a little bit tough. And that's why if Markel Fultz is hurt, like, if Markel Fultz isn't out there, I, I prefer having a guy like Joe Ingles instead of Cole Anthony out there to close games. But um, what else did I either, you know, if you want to expound on what I mentioned with this Boston win or something I haven't mentioned, like, kind of showed up for you. I mean... Paolo was the game leading scorer, but you you know you can expound whatever you want with this game. Yeah, well let's, well, let's first state the facts, which is Boston came into the game without Drew Holiday, uh, and Porzingis was ruled, uh, you know, out out in the second half. Uh, Porzingis caused some trouble, certainly with his length defensively and uh, offensively. We learned, I feel like. Uh, maybe not something that we didn't know, but was reinforced. We learned a little bit about. Let's say Jalen Suggs's capabilities on the defensive end when he's tasked with guarding a bigger, longer player didn't have tremendous success against Tatum or Brown. Um, but we also learned that Jonathan Isaac can uh, guard one through five, right? So um, the interesting thing to me, I think, again, this was a little bit of a Mosley show in terms of. Uh, closing the first half without a true center on the floor, trying to Paolo slotting in at the five. Um, those minutes didn't work out great, but, you know, kind of continuing to see what options are available to him. And look, I, I believe in the first half, Boston shot 53% from the floor. They end the game shooting 40%. Tatum didn't hit a three, but he, he, he played reasonably well. If you look at the box score at the end of the game, Jalen Brown missed 16 shots. He didn't shoot the ball well, but they didn't play terrible. And a lot of that is the defensive uh, intensity and effort that, you know, the Magic get into a body and eventually make you take a contested shot. So my takeaway from this game, even as we were down in the first half, is that if we're not there, we're not far away. You know, this is, again, they, they came in without their starting point guard. But still, Boston is elite. They've been elite for the last three or four years. And it looks like the Magic are approaching kind of that level, um, at least for today. Yeah, I mean, we, we're the third or fourth youngest team in the league. We, before these Denver and Boston games I you know that we won like I correlate this magic team to the 0607 magic team which it was Dwight and Jameer's third season we had a young Hito still it's the it's the summer before you bring a Richard Lewis um and it's just this team like th there's no team that we we should be scared of like there's no team that we can't beat on any given night would you agree or disagree with that I, I agree with that and we talked a little bit about 
what there's a couple of players that nobody in the league can guard but aside from that we we're right there with everybody the best in the league yeah i mean jalen brown had a good first half we he just he wasn't he wasn't that great in the second half be it defense be it just he just wasn't that great and you know we we changed some stuff up because uh there was a guy sitting behind us that was like make him go left make him go left and they kind of started actually doing that and it started actually working out because he just jalen brown i love him great player elite player but just doesn't have a great left hand and that kind of helped out but um on a night where Sam Hauser scores 10 and Luke Cornett scores 12. Like, again, Boston didn't have that bad of a game. Just our defense was that great. And um, we, we got to just give a shout-out and just a tip of the cap to just the fans in general. Like, that that crowd ha- was really loud. It was really loud for the Denver game, and the crowd's just buying in now every night, every home game. And it's 2.30 in the afternoon where people probably like Black Friday shopping. There's probably some Magic fans that had to work and couldn't actually attend the game. So um, I would say there were fewer Boston fans than you would normally see for a Magic Celtic game here. So I think that's progress. But, um, you know, the greatest thing in the world was just seeing all those Boston fans file out with like two, three minutes to go. And it's like, bye-bye, thank you for the revenue. And just... You know, I, I talk about, like, our shithousery trio of Mo, Joe, and Cole, but, like, Mo and Cole, espe- or, uh, Mo and Jalen, Suggs especially, just, like, they get that crowd going. Like, they f- want that crowd to go ape shit. And, again, from that type of perspective, you have to go back to the, the 99-2000 team for that. Um, now, our team's more talented than that team was. So, again, we're 11-5. and five. We could easily be 14-5 and five next week. Now, because this is a young team, because your two best players in the league are 22 and 21, you know, maybe we get a little big-headed. Maybe we, you know, maybe we have a, stu- a stumble here in these next three games. It's possible. That's what happens when you have stars and elite talent and just a really great cohesive unit. Like, I, I can't, like, it, you, it's tough to find a team that like each other, likes each other as much as Magic Team does. And, um, yeah, I mean, going back to this Boston game, this was an in-season tournament game where three and one, we finished our group play, so we're done. We have a plus 22 point differential. I'm not gonna go over the scenarios really of what needs to happen. Like, I think ideally what needs to happen is Brooklyn needs to lose to Toronto on Tuesday. That's the simplest way of the Magic winning the group because they would have the head-to-head victory over Boston in that situation. We win the group, we would get into the quarterfinals, which we would likely host most likely as group winners. Um, Potentially, it's not not a given, but potentially, and we could be talking about a trip to Vegas here, and we might actually fucking go to Vegas, which I didn't think I would do, but this team has me that excited and that just that hyped about it that I'm bought into it so much, and I'm feeling really good about my one dollar bet on Jamal Mosley winning Coach of the Year, you know. But um, yeah, it's it's a good time, man, to be in Orlando as a sports fan. Like you got. UCF football, UCF sports in the Big 12, like you got well, the Magic having their best start to a season since 2011, since the Dwight years. Anytime you talk about first since anything, since Dwight, whatever, that's a good fucking sign. Um, I don't think we're going to have that burnout period like we had with Scott Skiles where we did the London trip, lost to the Raptors, and we flamed out. Like we had our, our shitty international game already where we – we had we wasted a home game in Mexico City and lost a game to the Raptor, to the Hawks that we shouldn't have lost. And would you agree or disagree that there's really only like one game that we shouldn't have won, which was the Clipper game, which was the second night of back to back. Like 
all the other four losses that we had, like we probably should have won those. If you go to look at Dallas, you look at Atlanta, um, you're looking at the Laker game in L.A. I forget the last, the other one, but like, um, oh Dallas, Dallas at home. But like, we all the, there's not really another like we we really should only have one loss right now. Which it's the NBA, like you're supposed to lose games that you know you should win. Being in the three point era that we're in, but. Um, I went on a rant there, but I'm rambling a little bit there, Penny. But uh, you, you jump in wherever you want on this. I, well, just to piggyback on kind of the interaction with the crowd, they, there really haven't been that many players that, I mean, well, first of all, there hasn't been that much to cheer about for the last better part of a decade. But there haven't been that many players on the roster that look to the crowd, uh, that play to the crowd, and that make it interactive. So uh, that pumps people up not just in the building, but to your point about being excited to possibly make a trip to Las Vegas, I, I, it feels like, and, and want to get your thoughts on this, but it feels like, the t you hear it in the background now, it feels like the tide is turning in the city where, look, it's still football season, still Florida, but there's a buzz in the city, there's a buzz downtown, there's dollar beers outside the arena, like we're in New Orleans, like, it's starting to build up again, and it feels like the Magic are on an accelerated track this year. Yeah, those $1 beta beers from New Orleans. And, yeah, there's a, there's a group of folks, two tables over from us that were at the Magic game, too. So they're, they're excited. They're boisterous. And I didn't mention Orlando City, which I should have because going, we're going to the Orlando City uh, quarterfinal game here. So if Orlando City soccer beats Columbus, we're either hosting Philadelphia in the Eastern Conference Finals or we're going up to Cincinnati uh, for the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, it's just all great right now, man. Like, honest to God. Like, um, so I we talked about this a little bit, but if the Magic – let's say the Magic win this in-season tournament. We have a trophy. We, we have a banner for being in-season tournament champs. Admiral Schofield gets to show off 500K, and Kevon Harris gets to show off 500K most likely, potentially. Well, I think you actually have to play in one of these games maybe to get it. I could be wrong, so you might have to get those guys garbage minutes maybe eventually somehow. But, um, you know, let's say the Magic win the in-season tournament, but they, they let's say they make the play-in but don't make the playoffs or whatever, like they, or they just don't make the playoffs at all. Like, you're feeling kind of crummy. But is it like the worst feeling in the world to you? Because me being the Greek European guy that I am, I covet cups. Like when the when Orlando City won the U.S. Open Cup, like that was last year. That was a big deal. Now this is different because these are still regular season games. They count whatever. But um, I would still be content because our core is so young. Like our stars are 22 and 21. Where I've seen enough growth right here, right now that. There's something there. There's no ceiling on what we can be right now. So, like, give me the banner. Give me the cup. You know, I'll, it's going to suck if we don't make the playoffs, whatever. But I would take that. I don't think you would, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I'm coming around. Uh, I, I have a, an American mindset, right, where the championship is the championship. But, look, I don't think you can argue with the success in the first year of the in-season tournament so far. The ratings are up, the courts are painted, uh, people are watching. To, to This is not a summer league championship. This is not uh, glorifying a Becky Hammond-led Spurs team summer league banner, although she has now won two championships in WNBA. My point being, 
the in-season cup, I think, is something that would is to be celebrated. We talked about this off-air. Certainly, they would hang a banner for it. There, I mean, there's there's literally going to be hardware that's going to be added to the facility. So, uh, and also, it being the first one, it's going to continue. Like this is going to be an ongoing thing for the league. So, to to win a championship. While there will be mocking in some corners of, uh, we'll call it NBA, Twitter X, or whatever, is still meaningful. Um, the guys are going to get up for it. There's money on the line. There's pride on the line. So a championship would be meaningful. Would, we ra- would I rather go to the playoffs? I think so. But if you win the in-season tournament, essentially you've won two playoff games right i mean three quarterfinal semifinal and final there's still i think uh, value in that experience and hanging that banner yeah look let, let's be real if we win the in-season tournament like i think we're gonna make the playoffs like i just i don't see a it, it correlates like if you're good enough to win that trophy that cup and i mean we have a great record right now too that helps a ton but like I think that's going to carry over. We have no more international trips going on. so um. I haven't checked the standings on the in-season tournament across all the groups, but the the teams that are doing better in the in-season tournament standings are the better teams by record anyway, right? I mean, Yeah, like it's like the Pacers won their group, which was a kind of a surprise because they, they beat out the Sixers or whatever a little bit. But, I mean, the, the Pacers are good. They would have made – the play-in if Halliburton didn't get hurt. Like, they might have been a playoff team if Halliburton didn't get hurt. Let's be honest there. But, um, you know, you look at the uh, one, the other group, it's Milwaukee and, and uh, Miami. Like, they're both 2-0 and go, you know, as we talk about this. So, ideally, I think we want Milwaukee to win out and Miami to struggle a bit. Because um, even if the Magic don't end up winning this group, they'll, they, they have a good chance of getting in as, as the wild card. So, um, that quarterfinal game would be a road game. But... You're in it. You're there. And we can beat anyone, anytime, anywhere. Regular season-wise, offenses tend to get, like, the, the praise and tend to be kind of the, the bigger factor. Like, oh, this team can drop 150, whatever. But come playoffs, come time when these games actually matter, which these cup games are going to start ratcheting it up in importance, having an elite defense, that's what carries you. Like, I know looking at, like, the Dwight teams – even looking at the at the mid '90s Shaq Penny teams, like defense fucking carried us a lot in those. Like offense is great, hidden threes is awesome. You know, it, it's it's the sexy thing to do. But like getting down and dirty and winning games with your fucking defense, like that's how Golden the Golden State Warriors won their title. That's how Cleveland won their championship. Was mostly defense in the end. It's just being able to trust any any one of the five guys on the floor to just keep their shit together. Now. And for the and you know I'll trust like a Joe a thirty six year old Joe Ingles to not be a defensive liability out there. Like the biggest liability I worry about is Cole Anthony, and he at least busts his ass. Like he's not perfect, but I know that like Cole's gonna try his ass off. Like he there even in this game tonight against Boston, he didn't have the greatest shooting night. He got exposed a little bit defensively, whatever. But like he's out there helping, busting his balls. He's getting on the floor. He's leading fast breaks. He's doing help side defensive block attempts, whatever. Like. We got that going for us. Um, bad segue for you, but I don't know where you want to go from here on well, this. Well, let's, let's talk about defense a little bit further. Obviously, it's the team's calling card, and uh, 
I mean, just held Boston under 100 again. So we're going to be up near number one, number two, and defensive rating continued. I believe this is the best. They have the tools to be, and the numbers are bearing it out. The league has changed. The landscape has shifted. This has the potential to be the best defensive team in franchise history. You're talking about the Dwight-led, we'll call 08-09 the best Magic team. You and I bicker about that. But we'll call 08-09 the best defensive team so far. That was manned by Dwight. Certainly he was a defensive player of the year three times over. A freak a freak in, in the paint. But Jameer was undersized. Hedo and Richard had length, but they weren't the most mobile. Uh, you're looking at a team that has length across the board now at five positions when healthy that is versatile, can cover, and guard out all the way to the three-point line on the perimeter, not just in pick-and-roll action, but one-on-one. Again, defense is going to travel. Offense is going to grind to a halt sometimes, but the defense should be there. I believe this could be the best defensive team in franchise history. Am I off base here? You're, you're not. I mean, I I haven't statistically looked at it. It, it wouldn't shock me if it, it is that 99-2000 team that was the best defensive team in franchise history. Like, it wouldn't. But we're talking late 90s NBA basketball post-Jordan era where it's like you're, hold, you're having, like, 80-point games often. Like, the best team, like, the team to, like, 95 fucking wins, you know. Um, whereas here... Again, 10 years ago, it used to be first to 100 wins. Now it's first to 115. And here the Magic are again with six games holding teams under 100. That's fucking insane. Um, all right, let's talk stuff. Let, let, let's take it down a little bit and talk like in-season tournament styling and looking at stuff with the Magic because we haven't really talked about it. I hate that we have Dallas Cowboys-ass looking jerseys and like the court is the font. The font isn't ideal. I don't like the dark blue. The gray's fine. The gray is fine. It looks good. It's better than fucking eye-blinding red, you know? Um, But the gray courts are fine. I don't care for the jerseys. Um, I don't care for that Dallas Cowboys star or the Dallas Cowboys dark blue, but um, it was was great to be in there, and we're slowly finding out people that were in there. Like, Terrence Ross was in the fucking stands tonight. Um, Nate Tibbetts, who was on Mosley's staff two months ago no longer is because he took the phoenix mercury job but he was there with his family and it wouldn't shock me if nate tibbetts is still consulting i would hope he's still consulting but he was in he was sitting in our section i think um shout out to bill uh, from on twitter who was sitting two rows behind us in 116 uh, in section 116 um it was uh it was great man we had some really uh boisterous and and diehard kind of magic fans in our section um we, you know, there's plenty of Boston fans in there, but again, it wasn't as many Boston fans as before. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on kind of our in-season tournament look? Like, I guess in looking at the other looks that other teams have, it's not as bad. Like, basically, if you have a, like a red court and you're like a loser Miami Heat culture type team as well, like it, it's like you're taking the L on that in that regard. But for our look, like it, it, it's not bad, right? Right. It's not bad. It's not great. I, I, I think uh, our our floor is okay. It's not blinding. Uh, evidently, it's not as slippery as some of the other ones, which is good from a health and safety perspective. The problem is that our our regular jerseys are so good 
our throwbacks for this year are really good that it almost feels like a waste to incorporate an average jersey. Um, frankly, I'm not a big fan of the Kingdom on the Rise slogan and kind of the color scheme and everything associated with that, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the, the bar has been set so high across the board with all of our other uh, paint schemes and jerseys and everything else that you just kind of, I, I would say lands with a thud, but it could be a lot worse. There's a, there's a lot more garish combinations that we've seen across the league. Um, and also, again, to your point about the fans some, and the excitement in the building, 116 we sat tonight, uh, fat guy section, fat still, guy section yeah. still hanging out, still getting it done in the arena. Um, and right hat lady still still getting it done uh and uh the excitement's there the excitement i wouldn't say is more palpable for the in-season tournament in the building i don't know how many people uh, know the intricacies of it they see a different court they see some electronic signage but um yeah i kingdom on the rise i think it's accurate now i think it's accurate uh but not my favorite marketing campaign yeah I'm not a big Kingdom on the Rise guy. I don't like the, the again the font. It's supposedly kind of Church Streety, supposedly, but it's more. I view it more as like New Orleans Pelicans type font. Um, the do you like? I like the I like the trophy on the floor. I like the trophies in the paint. Whatever. Like literally, if we had like our magic logo like our classic magic style court or whatever like that would look really fucking good um and i think it's something that they need to i'm sure the nba will factor that in next season where it's like well really if we have the the trophy in the paints and we have the trophy in the middle that should kind of distinguish things enough but um Speaking of things that the NBA will factor and you talk about would it be a successful season if the Magic won the Cup but missed out on the playoffs. Uh, obviously this year a cash incentive for the winning players, the winning coaching staff. Do you think the NBA would or should make a change moving forward that the team that wins the Cup gets no worse than the eighth seed in the playoffs. They're guaranteed a play-in berth, guaranteed a playoff berth. Is there something to be said for as they continue to refine the in-season tournament, changing the prize for the winning team? I feel like you have to do that. Look, my thing is, especially once we move to 32 franchises, is it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Probably like 25, 26, 26, 27, somewhere around that season. But like, it's going to happen. Like, Seattle's going to get a franchise. Maybe Vegas gets the other one. Who knows? But um, this needs, like, if you really want this to be, like, a European soccer type thing, like, this cup needs to be separate from the regular season to really do it. Now, as long as it's not, though, like, the, like I've, I've always said, like, the season should, regular season should be 66 or 72 games. And you can make this cup you know, round robin and then single elimination, and you're pretty close to the 82 games that you would have anyway. Now, we know for TV reasons, whatever, that's never going to happen. So um, because of that, I, I think you're right. I think I agree. I think you need to give up, give like an eight seed where you're hosting a play-in game eventually or something, or, you know, seven versus eight, and then if you lose, you know, you're hosting a nine or ten team, whatever, uh, when it comes to that. But um, I have a fun question for you. So between Joe Ingles and Mo Wagner, which contract has looked the best so far? Joe Ingles making 11 mil, 
and then you get Mo Wagner on like a two-year, $16 million deal. Like, I know Mo Wagner got the 27 points tonight, but he's the backup at the moment behind Goga, which for Mosley just prefers to do that right now. Um, and shout-out to Mosley for playing Caleb Houston, that meaningful minutes. Like, Caleb did really good. That was, that was a risky coaching move for him doing that. But between, like, Mo and Joe – which one's been the best signing for you? I, I, I'm a Joe Ingles guy. I've wanted Joe Ingles on this team for like a decade, and I'm so happy. I am going to buy like a classic Joe Ingles jersey. Um, it's going to happen. I still need to buy a Franz Wagner jersey because Fanatics fucked up my order. But um, we, uh, yeah, I mean, I love both. I mean, they're both looking great right now. Like, Mo just loves kicking Boston's ass. Like, he's putting up these 20-point games or high-scoring games off the bench even. He doesn't even have to start for him to put this type of scoring together. Um, we have the bench, best bench in the league. Like, I'll put our bench up against anybody. That's because we got Gary, we got Joe, we got Cole, we got Isaac, and we got fucking uh, Mo Wagner coming off the bench. Like, you can't beat that bench. But both contracts look awesome. I know people were like, we're getting Joe Ingles like $11 million a year. Well, that's looking really fucking good right now. Um, Talk about our bench or any of those guys. I mean, not only on the floor, not only in the locker room, but also in the huddle. You saw it today. Even there are things that Ingles is seeing on the floor that he's individually relaying to Mosley or, or also through the coaching staff to get things implemented in a hurry, um, which, let's be, I mean, not that the game was in doubt in the fourth quarter, but stabilized things a bit. You can't quibble about the impact that Ingles has had. Look, we, we have the best bench in the league, as you noted. Uh, the ability, Ingles' presence, the ability to let Cole Anthony just focus on, on scoring, but having that bailout kind of uh, threat, having another facilitator, um, the, the intelligence, the savvy, the, the slowed-down, methodical approach to making the right read, probing the defense how many drop-offs to Mo Wagner has he had on this season where there's no passing angle until one gets created at the last second like so I, I think the Joe Ingles thing is uh not to sound elitist but you're that watching his play and evaluating his play is the difference between I hate to say it but we'll say a casual fan versus a more nuanced fan where you go okay Ingles shot the ball one time he made it or he missed it and that's all he did well no I mean you, you're looking if you look off the ball you'll see all of the things that he contributed and, and how he's impacted the team I I will say I, I I'm gonna go Mo Wagner if you're talking about best bang for the buck just just because uh what have you done for me lately I've scored 27 points to kick Boston's ass yeah, look, there's no wrong answer to this because honestly, like again, our entire bench is just so freaking great, and we have we got Jed Howard down in the fucking G League. Like that's the type of luxury you're like. Anthony Black got benched after six minutes, and like, as long as Fultz is out, like I would expect Black to start games. But depending on how he's looking, Blake's got or Black's got a bit of a temper to him too, and he's looked a little panicky late in situations, especially when like full court presses presses come in, but. Like that kid, six seven. He's got. He's just great for defense in general. And if he cuts, he cuts. He's gonna score. Um, you know that early decent three point shooting. That looking like a little bit of a mirage right now. But um, yeah, I. I don't know. You got any other thoughts for this Boston game? I mean, we can talk about these beers too. I got the. 
I, I got a, a check logger here at Sideward Brewing. You got uh, Moon Boots, which I love. That's a great go-to here. But uh, any other thoughts about this Boston game or the Magic or Sideward Brewing or brewery as we're here? Or you can just get the fuck out of here. It sounds like we're winding down. Um, nothing, nothing tastes as good as a victory beer. Um, it feels like, again, there's something brewing um, in the city. And I hope that the Magic can... can finish out this homestand with three more wins against uh, inferior competition teams lower in the standings in the Eastern Conference bottom dwellers. Um, if we're looking up at, at 14 and five in the next week, uh, I don't think anyone would have uh, predicted that going into the year. Uh, no, they would be a, a game in front of my pace right now if they were 14 and five. I mean, they're a game in front of my pace right now. Look, if the magic stumble and lose one of these, th these three games, like, we just can't freak out, and it's not the end of the world. Like we're we're ahead of pace right now of where we think we should be. Like in the history of the league, I don't think we've ever had a championship team led by a 22 and a 21 year old. Like it's it just hasn't happened. So at some point, we're probably going to hit a hitch in the road. Maybe an injury happens, or maybe like Franz Wagner hasn't been that great. Like Paul Paolo has had stretches where he hasn't been that great. Like they're still studs, and they're averaging you know 18 plus points per game or whatever, 17 plus points per game. And guess what? If the Magic are the second seed in the East, both those guys are going to be, be all stars. Like you can't keep them out. Um, but this is just a great run right now. Just enjoy it. Again, just keep in mind, like, it, it's tough because we live in a social media world. We live in, a, like, a now, 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 now type world where it's like, we need, like, it, like, we're so awesome. We should kick ass. We shouldn't lose to the Hornets or the Wizards twice, whatever, you know. But just got to slow it down. Like, we got these, we got, they're still kids. Like, they're, some of these guys can barely drink alcohol. Like, it's just, it's awesome. Enjoy the awesome times. Like, we beat the best. We beat the defending champions, and we beat the Boston Celtics, the best team in the East. We're one game back of Boston in the standings for the best record in the East. Like, enjoy this run, whether this continues or not. Like, just enjoy it, savor it. Just know that, like, there is no ceiling on the future. Like this, we could like Alex Martin's like bullshit prophecy of a championship by 2030 might actually come true, even though we still might not have an entertainment complex across the street of the Amway Center by then. Um, there's a reason just be hopeful and just enjoy it Orlando enjoy it Magic fans like this is just a fun run and yeah we can net pit, nitpick yeah we can bitch and moan about stuff that doesn't go again we theoretically should only have one loss right now let's be honest but you know I give the guy shit because I mean I just don't agree with his, his viewpoints and his ideology but like when Jonathan Isaac gave the like the Freudian slip of like we should have had 10 wins and one loss or whatever even though the math didn't check out and he, he messed it up you know we're 11 and 5 right now and it's just great just just enjoy this like it's not going to be perfect it's not this isn't going to last forever it's not like the schedule is going to get tougher just the wear and tear of the season is going to eventually kick in um you know, Lenny Courier's daughter sing the national anthem. I, we love Lenny Courier. He's the greatest trainer in Magic history, most likely, um, which is a really random fact, but that's that's true. But um, I'm rambling. You got anything else before we get out of here, Penny, or just get the fuck out of here? Let's, let's get out of here on a high note. All right, that's going to do it for this episode as a really awesome Golden Retriever's barking in the background. Uh, if you're still listening, we thank you very much for, uh, for just tuning in. Like, 
this is just great. Like subscriptions, high ratings, positive comments, just all help this podcast ranking immensely. We are the longest running Orlando Magic podcast that exists. Uh, so all the support that ha- exists that you guys bring for us, it, it helps immensely. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I am at Papa Giorgio MBO. Hopefully this background noise wasn't too terrible, but if it was, whatever, we're just celebrating. Uh, with that, take care. Let's go magic.